welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 281. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to finish out Discovery's third season with the episode, That Hope Is You, Part 2. Steve, would you delight our listeners with that wonderful bit of trivia that you mentioned in our pre-show? Ah, yes. So this will be the first time in a podcast in which we're reviewing an episode that aired in the same calendar year as we're recording the podcast for the episode. So cool. Well, then let's do it. That Hope Is You, Part 2, Season 3, Episode 13. Original release date, January 7th, 2021. Directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi, written by Michelle Paradise. Guest cast include Oded Fair as Charles Vance, Ian Alexander as Gray Tall, Blue Del Barrio as Adira Tall, David Cronenberg as Kovic, Adil Hussein as Aditya Sahil, Bill Irwin as Sukal, Janet Kidder as Osira, Kenneth Mitchell as Aurelio, Tig Notaro as Jet Reno, Annabelle Wallace as Zora, Jake Weber as Zara, Emily Coots as Kayla Detmer, Patrick Kwakchun as Gen Reese, Oyen Oladehu as Joanne Oshkun, Ronnie Rowe Jr. as R.A. Bryce, Sarah Midich as Nilsson, Julianne Grossman as Discovery Computer, Ava Blackwell as Ina, Raven Dauda as Tracy Pollard, Jenny Hacento as The Monster, Vanessa Jackson as Audrey Willa, Darren Lee as Timo, Karen Robinson as Pav, Tara Rosling as Tarina, Hannah Spear as Issa, and David Benjamin Tomlinson as Young Sukal. Unable to jump away without Stamets, Osira fights her way out of Federation headquarters back to Discovery and shuts off life support for the bridge crew. Burnham escapes Osira with Book and they make their way to the ship's data core, fighting Osira's minions along the way. Back at the nebula, Adria Tall, Kluber, Greytall, who has been materialized by the holodeck program, and Saru help Sukal turn the simulation off and come to terms with the death of his mother and his reaction to what caused the burn. Sukal, I am ill. This, this world... Here, for your wounds. Saru... I've looked everywhere, and things are definitely worse. More radiation is getting in. His outburst must have caused a breach in the ship's hull. Has he told you how to turn off the hollow? I believe he knows more about this world than he has indicated, but I cannot force a shift in perspective or he could panic. Another burn could destroy what remains of the Federation. Did you guys notice that uh, David Cronenberg was in this episode? I did. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's cool. I think, is this the first time we've seen him with Vance, like, actually interacting with the rest of the crew and stuff? So, Not sure. I thought maybe he was a figment of somebody's imagination. <laughs> of mine, actually. Uh, Adam, kick us off on That Hope Is You Part 2. Yeah, overall, I thought this was a decent episode. My one huge complaint about it, and it's unusual because we've always been very high on the production value of this show, the effects, just the look, the uniforms. That's been the one real solid positive um, about this show. But the sequence where they take Discovery back, to me, is just, I'll just say it, it's just not good. Um, it's what they got going on, the turbo lifts. I don't know what they were thinking with having all this vast amount of space inside Discovery. I know if you're a longtime Trek friend, you know these ships aren't 
really big. And if you have any understanding of like how spaceships or even ships in general are built, they don't waste space. They use every amount of it. So there's this. Yeah. Just- and if anything, Discovery would be smaller than yeah. the ships of the later shows, right? Yeah, so, okay. I mean, I mean, chron- chronological later shows. So, I remember that. T- I remember watching this, you know, back in January, and it really took me. Comp- First of all, the, the whole sequence isn't that great anyway. Even even if the effects were top notch, the sequence isn't even that great anyway. But um, just this whole vast amount, I was like, "What are they traveling through the Death Star here?" I didn't I didn't understand what they were what they were trying to do with all this vast amount of space inside the um, in, inside Discovery. Um, you know, you know, when you got Burnham chasing down Osira in this Data Core, and you know, I'm not exactly sure what um, Osira, you know pushed Burnham into, I guess, some sort of, um, you know, this is some sort of advanced computer. That's the data core. So, and then she killed. So it's just all kind of lame. Putting all that aside, I, I like the stuff that's in the nebula between Saru and Sakal. I like what's going on down there. I like the story they're trying to tell. Um, initially, when this season got started, you know, the whole concept of the berm, burn was kind of ridiculous to me. But that's coming out of season two where, you know, um, a future robot army was going to annihilate all life in the entire universe. So I think it was a little jaded coming into season three. And even though the burn is kind of, it's kind of an outsized concept, you know, that destroys all the dilithium in, in you know, in the, in the universe, or at least in the galaxy that in their end. And that's the premise that star Starfleet, they can't, nobody can travel at warp because they don't have any dilithium. I think they did a good job explaining. They used Trek to explain this. I like their explanation of it. You know, you know, that, they had the Trek talk there towards the end, you know, where Dilithium, you know, has a subspace frequency and he's, you know, since he's been on this planet, he adapted and he's got this connection. So even though that, even though it's all far-fetched, it, it made me feel a little bit better because it felt more like Trek with them having that, that tech talk explaining it like, and it, and it made sense to me. So when I compare season three, crazy plot, to season two um season three feels a lot better to me than season two so um that i i, I like a lot of a lot of the stuff that's on the nebula and even the stuff that's with um gray tall gray gray tall i mean even you know that even kind of that makes sense to me too because there's precedence for holographic life forms in trek and so all that being said you we get to the end of this episode and um saru you know he's going back to his planet to help um sakal that makes sense to me it finally makes sense that um they got um burnham sitting in the captain's chair that makes sense in a in a in a real way we'll, we'll find out you know when we start doing season four it kind of feels like the show is just now starting and I, I don't know if how you guys feel but um that's kind of that's kind of what i took from this last episode and kind of general from the season three yeah that whole thing in the data core or whatever that must be something that was added to discovery right that that couldn't possibly be from their original timeline i would think think. but i did think it was funny that she fixed the ship by basically turning it off and turning it back on (laughs) yeah i took notes on that actually i'm i was it's kind of comforting to know that the common most common First solution of the problem is holds years, hundred, a thousand years, a thousand years from now. Right? Yeah. A thousand years from now, you just turn it off and turn it back on. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's kind of action focused, which often is the case on you know season finales and things like that. I mean, it's so I wasn't surprised at that. They have to wrap up every, I, you know, I, I think I think the stuff going on with 
you know, Sakal and Saru and so on is more interesting than all the action stuff. As usual with this series, most of the time it feels like someone had this, you know, it would be cool if, and then they try to write to that, you know, instead of, you know, some kind of natural development. Yeah, that's, that's the turbo lift stuff in a nutshell. Right, right. I mean, it's, it doesn't make sense and, you know, whatever, but it, that's, that's the problem. It's like they just come up with some quote unquote cool idea and they have to make it fit, you know? And so you end up with that and you also end up with this kind of notion of, you know, book being able to jump the ship and it's like, okay, sure. You know, at least they finally gave him something important to do. True. True. I mean, it'd be nice if they had led up to it in some respects. I've I've said, I like him and I wanted them to give him a reason to be there. Yeah. They did at least mention his, whatever mental abilities or whatever. Right. But honestly, I don't think they've said a word about that since the first episode of the whole season. Right. 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 And so, yeah. yeah, if they wanted to do this sort of thing, it needed to be a part of his character, not just a token moment in the first episode. I don't know. Yeah. I, that, that's what's, that's, what's baffling. And we talked about this over and over is you'd think they'd have so much time to plan it out, you know, where it's, it doesn't feel like it's just on the spur of the moment. Let's do this thing. You know, you think with the time they have and the number of episodes, you could chart this out and say like, okay, well, if we're going to do this in the final episode of the season, maybe we should sprinkle this throughout the other thing. That kind of thing never seems to happen here. I mean, and I don't understand there was that. that episode with his sort of brother or whatever. And they, sure. they did yeah. something with their mind powers yeah yeah i remember it all and they reference it once or twice but you think they'd have a million more opportunities to like to to do this and have some kind of it's it's you know oh here's something and and why and so on instead it's just like tease 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 one or two of this thing and all of a sudden now i'm the savior because i have this mental power that's totally nondescript and especially after we've seen how much time they've spent making it clear that it's that it's very difficult what Stamets does. Yes. And he was the only one that could do it, you know? Right, right, right. And now it's just for storytelling ease. That, yeah. Well, I think we've mentioned this before. You would think a thousand years in the future, there would be, you know, they would be a little bit more evolved to kind of figure this thing out. We've also mentioned that, you know, how, how, how they figured out a spore drive since then, you know. I, I have no qualms with this, except in the sense that it, in the same qualms we've had with the whole season, with the series and so on, th- these kind of big, these larger issues, like I addressed earlier with the, yeah. and, and I mean, otherwise it's just, okay, sure. This is the kind of thing I'd expect for a season finale here. If this show was better, if I liked this show more and thought it was a better show, I would be really hammering it for the turbo lift thing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the turbo lift thing really is just silly. I mean, mm-hmm. what no person on planet earth watches this and thinks that makes any lick of sense. Unless there's just some crazy science fiction thing that they're going to explain in the future how the inside of the ship is like four times larger than the ship. <laughs> I sure I sure hope they try. That'd be great in season four if they try to backtrack. Yeah. It's it's total nonsense. You know what it reminded me of? Which uh, Fast and Furious movie was it where they're like trying to get on the plane on the tarmac while it's in motion and it goes on for like 20 minutes as <laughs> if somebody did the math and it would be like, oh, this, this uh, uh, airplane runway must be about like 80 miles long or something <laughs> <laughs> it's just a joke but right. you know and that you know nobody's watching fast and furious movies expecting there to be any level of mm-hmm. you know honesty or believability and that's fine but you know one of the things we love about star trek you know is the science of it it's science fiction it's not fantasy you know there needs to be some 
basic level of believability in the physics. And that starts with the inside of your ship is not four times larger than the outside. They just wanted that diehard ending where the heavy falls off a building yeah, yeah. inside the ship. To, to, yeah. Total recall. But like I said, it, you know, it's, it's in keeping with, it's just like you said, you know, where they just, they just wanted to do this. So, you know, whatever uh, they did it. Um, and it's in keeping with the, the level of thought that I feel like this show generally puts into the writing and the stories. So it doesn't really stick out. That's not a good thing for the show, but it's why, you know, I didn't hate it for doing it. I'm just like, Oh, it's, that's, it's discovery, whatever, you know, that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't understand the turbulence being suspended in, in midair. I mean, you know, on on every previous ship and, and let's take in mind this ship, even though it's now in, you know, the far distant future and, it was built in the, you know, back in the Kirk days. And we know what those turbo sh- they're like basically elevators that you would see in buildings. So I don't, yeah. I mean, I we know what the basic difference is they don't, they don't, don't just go up and down. They go other directions. Fine. But I mean, this is. They're supposed to be in like in tunnel shafts. But we've seen plenty yeah. of turbo shafts in, in movies yeah. and in series. Yeah. You know, we've seen those and they're in, they have always been enclosed tubes of sorts i mean if they have that much room why are the jeffrey's tubes still so small (laughs) (laughs) you should be able to walk through them why are you why are we climbing through those when on the other side of this wall is like 500 feet of (laughs) empty space (laughs) it's just silly i mean it's just dumb anyway well that's a to me that's kind of what's disappointing about it because you know we've all been really high on the production value of this show i think they've all made a lot of right choices with their design and their sets and their concepts and this is just yeah but but it really isn't a best you know you can't really knock special effects i'm sure this was written in the the script right Um, yeah i guess yeah well go to go back to steve's point you know it's it's you know, the, so season, I mean, you know, they don't shoot these shows like they did back in next gen days where it's, you know, kind of week to week or every couple of weeks you're, you're, you're busting out a show every couple of weeks. These, these shows are, should be all, I mean, I'm assuming they're all pre, everything is on paper and ready to go. I'm sure there are adjustments. It's kind of like a film. You have a script ready in hand. You have all these scripts ready in hand. You have a plan for your season already at hand before you get going. But it seems like this is filmed more like it was back in the day where it's just like they're kind of going from episode to episode and kind of just, you know, tacking it together as they go along. So I don't know exactly. I mean, I'm kind of speaking out of turn here. I don't know exactly how they schedule their production or how much is all preset to go once they start filming. Um, but it kind of just seems a little haphazard to re- reiterate um, Steve's point from earlier. I did think that Gray's presence was a little bit of a stretch, but I like Gray. And I liked. I thought that moment when uh, Gray walks onto the walks through and onto the bridge. That's the first time you kind of see the bridge and get the sense for the that that was that was cool, you know. But it was probably a little bit of a stretch for Gray to be there. But yeah. certainly implied Gray will be back, huh? Right. I would guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. That is very sophisticated hollow technology that can essentially uh, manifest the Take subconscious of its. Uh, you know. Well, in that one in specific, because there are multiple consciousness in the symbiote, right? Yes, right, right. Yeah, so it's a uh, yeah, it's a stretch, but you know, fine, okay. But 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 they can't figure out a spore drive. Well, and presumably that hollow technology is a hundred fifty years ish older. Right, right. One hundred twenty five at least. Like I said, I I like Booker. I like that they gave him something to do. It wasn't totally out of left field. It was just um, I like that they left. 
you know, because Stamets has every right to be incredibly angry with Burnham. And they left that basically unresolved, you know. She's she's looking over at him and smiling, but he's not smiling back, you know. It's a subtle little thing, but I like that, you know. that's That felt a little bit unlike other shows, and I, I kind of I appreciated that. That felt kind of honest. It's interesting, I mean, I, that I, I still disagree with her choice, but I don't knock the writers for that. That seems like a Burnham-y choice, I guess. But something else I wrote down that I liked the episode opens, they're basically having a ship-to-ship battle inside the, whatever they call space dock, right? The space bubble. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I don't think we've ever seen that before. It didn't, didn't last long, didn't see a lot, but I don't think we've ever seen that in Star Trek. That was kind of neat. Inside like that, like a, like the fist fight on From Russia With Love or something, you know, like this co- close, super close quarters craziness. Do you think, I guess, like I said, I guess we'll find out. Do you think that Starfleet Command will move into season four? Do you think they'll go back to a planet of some sort, or think they'll just stay in the bubble? I hope they move. Well, because the bubble made sense for this season, because obviously they got their they syndicate that they have to protect themselves. Now that now and they that's, can't travel far distances, but now they should be able to. Everybody should have dilithium again, right? Correct. Uh, the the teaser we saw for season four, they're wearing those same new uniforms we see at the end of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah. care for them. I didn't at first, but I, I could see how, you know, maybe I'll, maybe they'll grow on me or something. I don't know. I don't, I've never been a fan of gray uniforms. They're still different than what, like, Vance and team are wearing, right? Or are they the same? They look in the same family to me, but. Yeah, okay. You know. They've, well, I guess to me, they're, I don't like gray and they seem a little bit formal. I guess they kind of, to me. I was kind of think I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't. This would be like the formal dress uniform, and then they'd kind of have a more casual version. I'm surprised they didn't put everybody in athleisure or something, given the choices <laughs> they make on the show. I like that we got to see Lieutenant. What's his name? Sia. Oh yeah. Yeah, I grew to. I grew fond of him from that novel. You know, he's one of the main people in that in that novel I've been talking about. Uh, so it was nice to get to see him come back. I would have liked to have seen him throughout the season, but I guess we really just saw him at the beginning and the end. But maybe uh, maybe he'll come back in the next season. I doubt it, but that'd be nice. You know, and then I got to say, I, I can I can say I don't care for this show. I don't think it's great. It has its moments. But, you know, I'm not saying it's terrible or anything like that. I can be watching the episode and thinking, well, this is silly turbo lift. No, it doesn't make any physical sense, but it's discovery or whatever. I can do all that. And at the end of the episode, they can play the bloody star trek theme <laughs> and they got me just a little bit i don't want them to i don't want to admit it i'm a sucker i'm a sucker for those little alexander courage you know tones you like the the roddenberry quote there they had up i mean it was a nice quote i i didn't quite maybe it was i don't understand how it fit into what they were trying yeah, to maybe it was just in context of you know because remember these episodes were post-produced during the pandemic they aired during the kind of the height of lockdown we're all still stuck at home when i think of it in that context the quote was was interesting but actually relating it to the narrative of the episode of the season i i maybe not yeah it didn't work yeah like i I kind of felt the same way it's a nice quote it's a good quote but yeah it didn't to me it didn't quite fit what what they were you know when we get to about what this episode was about or what they were trying to do in the season i don't think it matches at all yeah, I mean, like years from now, are people going to remember that these were the ones that aired during, that were post-produced and aired during the pandemic? I, I doubt it, but. They will when they listen to um, Steve's um, synopsis when he tells the date of airing. Right, yep. 
they'll put that as a commentary track or something. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is this episode about? By the way, last time, did you, I started laughing a little bit last time, but we never brought it up. It's like we never mentioned it. Did you guys notice last episode? I think it was the second one when I asked, or I forget which episode, but when I asked what's this episode about, Steve started first. He just started. He just went off. And nobody said anything. Adam didn't disagree. And when Steve was done, Adam went. In 10 years, that's never happened. <laughs> and it just happened. Crazy. Crazy, crazy loony times. I know. Uh, well, I, I tell you the truth. With Discovery, the vast majority of the time, it's it's nothing. It's about <laughs> that was about it's nothing. Already, you know, so BS, I, I can't say anything. I mean, what am I going to say? <laughs> nothing. So um, I'm waiting to see what Adam says. And then I'll well, just yeah, feedback on that. It's like, sure, whatever, you know, and then move on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I. For the audience out there, we we bash the heck out of Discovery, and I'm going to do it one more time. Because a lot of times when you ask that question, I'm like, all right, I have to think of something that might sound plausible. And I probably <laughs> It probably took me too long to think of something last episode, and Steve's like, no, all right, Steve I'll just just started, though. Steve. That sounds like a likely explanation, but that is not what happened. Steve just jumped right into <laughs> he it. He just jumped right in. He felt strongly yeah, about it. Was it. Amazing. He felt really strongly about it. All right. But, Adam, well, for, let's, not, well, the, let's not tempt fate again and mess up. You know some butterflies' wings and <laughs> yeah. the continuum, and, and yeah, yeah, you know, and then there's Adam, a, there's a, there's a futuristic army that's going to come after us. Yeah, so go 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 ahead, Adam. <laughs> well, the the themes in this um, in this episode are about finding oneself. You know, we see it with Burnham, we see it with Saru, Sakal. It's more evident with Sakal and Saru. They're both Kelpian. You know, it, their stories are related, but you know, those scenes with um, Saru and Sakal are, are, are good. They're really good. They're, they're, they're human stories with Saru, you know, telling him, you know, I had to choose between, you know, my world and I'm, um, you know, leaving. And, you know, these are, these are the things that he's trying to help make Sakal kind of understand where he's coming from. And, and in the end, it, it, I believe, you know, with the conclusion of what happens with Saru at this end of this episode, it's him finding himself and saying, you know, it's, it's time to, to return home. You know, he didn't have to choose between, he doesn't, Saru no longer has to choose between one world or the other. He can live in both. And I, you know, I'm assuming we're going to see him prominently in the next season in some form or another, but it's the first time for him that he doesn't have to choose between one thing or another. He can be in both worlds. He can be Kelpian. He can be in Starfleet and, and, and he can be, for me, it's, he can kind of be his whole self. And um, for a lot of the ways that that's for Burnham too, she's finally sitting in the captain's chair. You know, she's had, even in this episode, you know, she's, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to lead, you know, we, you know, they, you know, they're telling, we need you to lead us. We need you to be the captain. And I think she finally gets to the point where she can live in that captain's chair. She's gotten past all the, the baggage that's that's kept her from there up to this point. And it kind of feels like characters are coming, you know, like what I was saying, you know, it kind of feels like, it kind of feels like this show is just now beginning to start. We'll see what happens when we get into season four, but it seems like the characters are, are in a lot more solid ground. And for the audience out there, I know we bashed, I, at least myself, I'll speak for myself alone, I've, I've bashed on Discovery plenty, but one of the things that I do enjoy about the show are the character. I do, I like Burnham, I like Saru, I like the characters, um, I just don't particularly care for what the writers do with these characters on a weekly basis, but that could change with season four. Enterprise, season four of Enterprise, I thought was the best season that they had, so we'll find out if they can kind of find 
find what they're supposed to be. And I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago. It's like, what is this shit? What are they trying to be? What are they trying to say? What are they trying to do? And that's been my complaint with Discovery up to this point is like, I don't really know what this show is about or what they're trying to do or say as opposed to um, previous Star Trek series. So I think they got there a little bit in this episode trying to say what this episode what this episode's about and really what this show and this crew is about but that's to be seen so we'll find out steve yeah you know what adam i'll give you credit because so often and again you called it out on me waiting on what this is about you do so well in waiting through the crap to find something on what this is about because i do think that at the, at its core, the best part of this episode is what you described, the stuff with Sakal, Saru, Burnham, and the captain's chair. It's essentially this notion of coming home, finding your best destiny. And I think those are the best themes here. If you find if you find those several minutes of this hour-long episode, what you know, and if they were built around it, I think, you know, it, we would have had something. I think that is that is maybe what the focus is, the, the kind of the emotional focus of the episode is. It's just that, you know, as usual, so much of it doesn't commit and doesn't give to that theme, you know. But I, I, I agree with you. I like that part. I like the notion of Burnham finding what is her best destiny, what is her place here, um, Saru finding a place, the connection, bringing, bringing someone home, this kind of idea. I like that. It's just that as usual so, so such a small percentage of the episode is dedicated to that and i guess, I guess what that and you know to kind of emphasize that the admiral had that nice little speech with burnham you know talking mm-hmm. about you don't you don't do it the right way but your way works and that's so that's that's burnham in it you know and that, that yeah. was a good that was good writing because that's kind of burnham in a nutshell you know she's completely different than anything that we've we've seen in Trek as far as characters. And I think that's a good, good. That's, that's probably the one, one of the few reasons why I think I still watch this show is because Burnham, the character of Burnham is, is a well written character. She's got internal conflict. Um, the performance is good. And, um, I think that's why I'm still kind of like looking forward to discovery. Cause I'm like, what is, what is green going to do? What are they going to do with Burnham? Because it is, she is an interesting character and she is, outside the box for star trek but it still works so it's it's kind that that's the the speech there you know she's not kirk she's not spock she's not you know um any of these other previous you know leaders of or stars of the show but it still works kind of (laughs) her character works but does the show work and so i think that's (laughs) what we start to find out sure all right let's do six degrees for that hope is you part to Adam, are you going first or second? I'll go first. This episode reveals Burnham getting a promotion to captain. DS9 also promoted its lead to captain mid-series in the episode The Adversary. What season was that? Also the last episode of a season, I think. Season four? No. Steve? Three? Yep. Steve, David Benjamin Tomlinson plays young Sukal. We've seen him more often in Discovery Seasons 2 and 3, playing what character with the big eyes? Linus. Yep, Linus. All right, Steve takes it for the day. Do you guys have anything you want to say to, like, sum up Discovery's uh, third season? I mean, just overall, the story, it was... Sounds like you guys felt like it was certainly better than uh, second season, if still not awesome. I think my initial feelings of season three back in January were that I liked season two better, but I think I got into this. I think, I think I was just enamored with season with 
Spock and, you know, the Enterprise and I think I would I think that I think that the glitter just distorted my view of season two. Um and it's this doesn't happen often, but I actually, you know, coming out of season three, I still like season two better than three, but the it's reversed completely. That I, I I enjoyed season three more than two for sure. I agree with that I I I can see where the flaws are in two comparatively to three, although I don't know that I'd go so far as to say I enjoyed three more than two. I, I think that, you know, having those characters involved in, in that time period and what they were doing, I think just because I don't know, I, I didn't hate season three by any means. It's just that it's the same old thing and it's just in a time period that's completely foreign to anything we've been in before. And it's it feels kind of a, a downer a little bit you know, dealing with where they are and what's going on, you know, but um, I guess those are my broad thoughts on it. All right. Uh, Lower Decks finished its second season. We're a couple of days away from, oh, I guess our, the, the date this episode will go up is actually the first day of Prodigy, the show that Adam is entirely unfamiliar with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm familiar now. I was, actually was familiar with it. I just didn't connect the name because I've seen... Um, <laughs> I've seen the Instagram post from, very um, good, very good. damn it, Jane Wade, whatever her real name mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Are you satisfied with the Lower Decks season two finale, Steve? So I'm trying to recall what they covered in that. Well, you know, they kind of made it, some, I mean, you know, I think unlike the, fir- the, fir- the first season finale was more of just a fun, let's pack in a bunch of stuff that's, that Trek fans are going to like. The second was there was a, a cliffhanger. There were some unanswered and unanswered questions that lead you into the set third season, I suppose, and all that. Overall, I, I enjoyed the second season. I, I, I like what they did in this in cool. show. I suspect I will be watching it later this week. So I'm going to get into it when we get into season four of Discovery. Well, sp- speaking of that, we don't have time to talk about Bill Shatner going into space, so <laughs> which is amazing and awesome and wonderful. But let's tell our listeners. Folks, this is our this is our plan. This episode is going to post on Thursday, October twenty eighth. We're going to be back in two weeks on uh, Veterans Day, November eleventh. We're going to be discussing all of the short tricks. That's all ten, right, including the Picard prequel short. Mm-hmm. So we're going to discuss all the short tricks on the eleventh of November, and then rather than coming back on Thanksgiving Day. Thursday the 25th, we're just going to skip that week, and we will be back on Thursday, December 2nd. And at that time, we are going to be discussing the first two episodes of Discovery's uh, fourth season. And we're going to attempt to run our podcast like normal, bi-weekly, and each time discuss the latest two episodes of Discovery's fourth season. So we won't be able to do spoilers even if we wanted to because we're going to do them as it goes. <laughs> we never tried this before, so this is a new thing for us. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. If anybody has any thoughts about that, feel free to send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us, and we're going to be back in two weeks to talk about the short treks. Please join us at that time. So until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya.
fun and past it.